Podcast, uh, Paulie D. I need to ask you, why are you cosplaying as a member of the Night's Watch? Well, because um, you know the Night's Watch, uh, my watch has never ended, um, and um, I'm not really sure where you're going with this joke. We're doing some Game of Thrones talk. Ah, there we go. The there we go. Usual. I'm like, is, is there an expected response <laughs> that I'm supposed to have? Uh, my, you know, no, but seriously. Uh, yeah, here, let that cello play. Yeah, no, it's good. It's yeah. what ails you. It does. What Yo Yo Ma wishes he could do this. I wonder if that is Yo Yo Ma playing it. <laughs> it's probably not. <laughs> anyway, so we got one episode left, Paulie D. I'm Game excited. Of I, I am excited too. Let, uh, before we get into the uh, the brass tacks when sure. it comes to Yankees Red Sox, let's uh, talk about. What just happened? Like, what in the literal hell just happened? I mean, a lot of exciting stuff, uh, and it's one of those rare times where the characters said something was going to happen, and of course, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoiler alert, indeed, yes. Um, it's one of those rare times where the characters said was said something was going to happen, Tyrion says, the city's going to fall, and guess what happens? The city falls. Not for the reasons he says it does, though. No, but it still falls, and so, you know... Uh, I, I I found myself ke- you know keeping on waiting for Cersei to have another trick up her sleeve and was genuinely surprised when she didn't. But just to get a quick reset, here's what here's what happens and here's what goes on. Uh, the episode opens. Danny's the Mad Queen. She's all the way there. She kills. I, I, I don't know about all the way there. She's about three quarters of the way there when right, it starts. Right. So you know she's got the she's got the bags under her eyes. She's got the faraway look. You know she's yeah. she's she's got the pensive look out over the sea from the tower and the castle. I mean she's. She's pretty well on her way to Mad Queening. She is mourning the loss of her dear friend, Missande. Yep, fair enough. And her child, Rhaegal. Yeah. You know, and, and that's understandable. But she's kind of already there. Varys tries to do a little scheming, and Danny kills him. And then they go to war. So all her forces go to war. And so uh, when they're... But when she's supposed to stop the attack, you know, every, they invade the city. The dragon comes, blasts the Iron Fleet. When they're supposed to stop the attack, meaning when they hear the bells, because that's the title of the episode, the bells, she snaps instead, continues the attack, destroys yep. the whole city, and her men, what's even worse, probably from a human standpoint, is the me- her men see this, lose their own minds, and become killers in their own rights. Yeah, the look of Grey Worm. His look when he right before he speared that Lannister uh, soldier, it was just like, Okay, new plan, I guess. Right. There we go. And, 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 and so she's made all, turned all our men into killers, and Jon Snow is powerless to stop them. In other, yeah. in other news in the episode, Jamie's captured trying to get into King's Landing. We saw him leaving Brienne last the episode previous. Uh, Tyrion frees him to try to save him and Cersei. Uh, Jamie gets in. Jamie gets inside the city walls. Jamie ends up fighting Euron. They wound each other mortally. Then Jamie meets Cersei below the Red Keep during the carnage. And well, let's just say that Danny brings the whole house down. Yeah, I mean, slap me sideways and call me a Red Sox fan. The Mad Queen is here. I mean, I I don't know if you saw this on on uh, the game among the Game of Thrones Twitterati, or uh, I I may or may not have. Uh, people are bent out of shape about Danny doing what she did, and you and I have read the books. We've seen most episodes of the show, right. or all of them in this right. case. We knew this was coming. Yeah, she's the Mad King's daughter. Yeah, she has finally come back to take the throne that is, that 
up until recently was rightfully hers. Yeah. And then she learns this twist from Jon Snow that, oh, look, I've spent years fighting for this. I don't have a right to the throne. Right. That's going to drive me crazy too. Right. No, I think I think that you know it's it, it's in the seeds of uh, it's in the seeds of the character that she was going to do this all along. You know, she she executes all the masters of marine, or at least 163 of them. Sacks uh, Astapor. Right. She sacks Astapor. She uh, there's there's I mean, look, the list goes on and on. But what I will say is, what's weird for a lot of people mm-hmm. is that Danny saved the human race not two episodes ago. Right. And so. So that's a strange, I think, juxtaposition for a lot of people. So to get her on the right, uh, to to you know, to get her on the on the you know the team that jumped on the bus and to, to come in for the big win, yeah, and to turn a heel turn, not you know what, an hour and a half of content later, it's a little, I think, strange for a lot of people, and that's and that I think is the weird part. But getting it, you know, just to, just a couple a couple other aspects of the episode that we really like the uh, the Arya and the Hound were going in to kill their targets. They get into the city right before the attack. But you know what the hound does? You know they're in the they're in the red keep. They're, the hound is headed up to try to kill Sir Gregor, and Arya's headed up to try to kill Cersei. But the hound turns Arya away, persuades her to go home, and it, it was yeah. really it's a really nice part of the episode, really human. And uh, and so Arya leaves, and the hound goes up and tries to kill Sir Gregor. Uh, I personally enjoyed Clegane Bowl very I, much. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, because now the bad CGI of Sir Gregor aside, right. Like where he is like Frankenstein Sir Gregor. I'm gonna I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna put that aside. I mean, or maybe a bad makeup job. Well, yeah. I mean, like I'm not gonna get too nippy about that as, right. as stupid as I thought it looked. But the way it was, it was perfect because you have Gregor and Sander Clegane, two brothers who, even though they don't really give a damn about each other, their entire life up until this point has been a giant pissing contest between the two of them. Right. One is constantly trying to one up the other. Like big brother, I'm the alpha dog. I'm gonna beat you up. Bum 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 bum. Yeah, then, I'm gonna I'm gonna I, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna make you deformed by holding your face to a fire over something really small. Yeah, and then playing, um, playing with a toy soldier. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And then meanwhile, Clegane's like, no, 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 I'm not cool with getting beat up. Like one of these days, I'm gonna be able to fight you back, and the shoe's gonna be on the other foot. Yeah. And then they have this beautiful battle, which, like I said before, it is a constant pissing contest between the two. Sure. And it, it's kind it's kind of like uh, Harry Potter and Voldemort. One can't live while the other survives. Right. So finally, at, at the end, it seems like Clegane, uh, the hound, thinks to himself, you know what? I'm dead anyway. I'm taking this guy with me. Absolutely. And I think I think I knew I didn't know the hound was dead. I thought he'd get out of it, even when he was being. So at one point during the battle, um, if you remember, uh, Sir Gregor you know picks him up against a wall and starts choking him out oh yeah i at that point i still didn't think the hound was dead i didn't think he was dead in, until sir gregor did the the old thumb in the eye trick oh uh, the uh, yeah the red viper treatment right so i was like oh no uh, the hound's gonna die sir gregor sir gregor might get out of this and i yeah. was and so i was i found myself relieved that first of all that the hound had the wherewithal to stab him in the stab him through the forehead i thought that would yeah. drop him i did think that would drop him Nah, not like Frankenstein. Like the only way you really to kill him is to burn him. Right. I talked so. to a, I, you know, I talked to a friend of mine. He runs D and D games all the time. I'm like, so what is Sir Gregor? You know, what what kind of monster is this? He's a flesh golem. You just have to. You just the, the only way to kill him is to basically dismember him or burn him or yeah. just You got to completely destroy him. So I was pleasantly surprised at the end of Clegane Bowl when the Hound says, "You know what? 
Um, I'm sure it's a wrestling move somewhere, but I'm just gonna spear you. Yeah, right, right through this. That is here, a wrestling move. Right through this here wall. Who's who's wrestling moves that? Uh, quite a few actually. Cur- <laughs> currently, Roman Reigns uses it. Right. Uh, prior to him, uh, Edge, the rated R superstar. Right. Uh, he, uh, you might know him better as the actor Adam Copeland, who's been on Arrow a couple of times. Oh, okay. Or, or, uh, or Flash. Sure. Even. Yeah. Um, anyway, we got a lot to cover today, folks. Yeah, we so, do. Yeah, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to set this clock right now for 15 minutes. Um, Paulie D., we've got a lot going on in uh, Boston Celtics land. This is your territory. So we do. Why so why don't you take the lead? What's going on in Boston now that they have been eliminated by the Milwaukee Bucks in five games? I mean, the short answer is I don't know exactly what's going on mm-hmm. it, you know if you asked me before today when uh terry rozier did his tour of espn terry rozier spilling the tea on a first right. take with uh, Stephen a smith and max keller he was on get up he was on first take yeah he was on jalen and jacoby oh wow he was everywhere <laughs> yeah I, they just i feel like they just kept him in the building kept handing him glasses of tea to spill right uh, you know so i mean it was i after a while and you know on jalen and jacoby it was pretty much kind of the same territory by the time they got there but uh i caught it on first take but before that you know i would have said well the Kyrie experiment is over you know he really um you know, he really looked like he gave up on the team in the last really in did. the last couple of plays. He looked like that. I don't know if I don't know what's in his mind, but he looked like he you know he looked like he didn't want to be there. He looked like he was he was caught in a situation in which he was really uncomfortable, and so you know he looked like he gave up on the team. And I said, you know what? If you're if you're a professional athlete or you're a fan of a team of professional athletes, you don't want to see that. You know, fans don't want to see some guy give up on them. They want you know fans want players who are going to want to be there and are going to play their hardest and you know and essentially try to help the team win no matter the cost so now, now what did terry rozier say exactly regarding Kyrie and the team it was a it was actually a, a it was actually a couple things um terry rozier um when i caught him on first take had sa- first said that um he he suggested that uh uh that first that he's one of the top point guards in the league um and and i and i'll say that that you know that might be true but it's not true statistically right now that's right. that's all I'll say about that but he, what he really alleges that Brad Stevens had essentially a, a different set of rules for Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. than the rest of the team um and that first mistake of coaching by the way well if it's true though who knows if it's true like I don't I don't I don't all I know is that the only thing I know is that Terry Rozier may feel that there was a different set of rules for Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. That's 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 what I know from him saying that. I I, I it, you know I don't know if it's actually the I don't know the mind of Brad Stevens. I don't know if right. he actually had a different set of rules for these guys. Um, and then the other major thing that um, that Rozier alluded to was that, and this is really on Brad. This would be on Brad Stevens. Yes. True. Yes, it is. Is that whatever the plan was in practice was not the plan that would end up being executed in the game. So they'd practice X, you know, X, Y, Z lineups and rotations or whatever, what have you. And it'd be something completely different during the game, which seems okay, but I, crazy I don't, to I me. I don't think you can blame that on Brad Stevens though, because you you might run practice a certain way, but then once the game starts, you can start with that plan, but then you have to make in-game adjustments. Well, I think and you have to deviate from that plan. Sometimes. I, but, but he, it didn't seem like he, the, you know, the statement that he gave 
didn't really seem to be saying that. It just seemed to me to be, you know, whatever plan that they had in practice was just simply not the one at all executed or even attempted to be executed in the actual game. Again, who knows if any of this is true? I mean, I was certainly disappointed with the playoff loss. Um, I thought we, I, I thought the Bucks were tough and they might nip us. I thought after game one you had a puncher's chance. Right, right. But I, I was like, oh, this is a really tough team, and we yeah. don't match up all that well against them. So, you know, you know, when – but but I want to see them give the you know give give all the effort that they can you know what I mean but um, I'm not you know I, I don't really know at this point what to believe I mean what I've heard you know from the from the from the Boston Twitterati is is that um, you know is a, is a suggestion that these the the Celtics the young kids uh, you know Tatum and and Rozier and all the rest making the Eastern Conference Finals the year before somehow wounded his pride. Um, and that he's, you know, some somehow taking it out on the Celtics this year, which I also I, tend not to that's believe. That's very much a stretch because while, while you were making those points there, I pulled up the Duke team that Kyrie was on for all of 11 games thanks to, a, thanks to I think it was a foot or a toe injury. Right. Uh, I'm starting to think maybe Kyrie Irving just isn't a leader. It could be. Because I mean, look, yeah. looking, looking at this Duke team, you got Nolan Smith, who led them to who practically led them to a championship one year. Kyle Singler, who had a great career at Duke, did decent, had a brief run in the NBA. Seth Curry, Steph's little brother, who's now doing great work for the Portland Trailblazers. Mason Plumley. So it could be that Kyrie is just someone who wants to show up and play. Right. And like and now there's rumors about him possibly going out to the Lakers to play with LeBron again. Right. To which Stephen A. Smith apparently got a text from one of Kyrie's family members, and they had said, no way in hell he goes to L.A. So... I don't know about the he said she uh, he said she said stuff. I don't know about any of that. I don't know what's in anybody's mind, but what I do know is what's apparent and what's apparent is is that it seems to me that Kyrie wanted to be a, the guy yep. on a team and he felt that he could make the Celtics his own. Um he got injured the first year mm-hmm. uh that he that he wanted to do that and the team did really well. You know, a bunch of scrappy underdogs in a weak conference, but they did really well, and they had a lot of confidence going in. Yeah. And I th- and I and I and you would be a fool to think I think that heads didn't butt when they tried then to work him back into the mix. I think yeah. I think you're looking at a young team that says, "Why do we even need you? Why why are you why are you here? You know, like an absentee. You know, a, a little bit like an absentee father. Why are you even yeah. in the house? We didn't. We did so well for so long without you. You know, uh, and I don't, we don't. We don't need you right now. And I think it lends to my next point about the Celtics. This like Kyrie isn't coming back. I Let's just establish. I don't that right think now. he is. I don't like, think. Barring a miraculous swing for Anthony Davis, and even then, it's not a guarantee. I don't think he's coming back. He's going to one of the Knicks or the Nets. I think that's it. I think there's too much water under the bridge at this point. Yeah, because and that means for the Celtics, I I don't think that a teardown is coming, but like one has to be on the horizon. No, because well, Kyrie leaves. Right. Let's say Danny Ainge can't get Anthony Davis for some reason or another. Sure, that barring another deep playoff run the next year, sort of like what Brett Brown did with the Sixers, Brad Stevens almost becomes a lame duck. All thanks to Kyrie giving up on the team. I mean. I, I'm not sure it's all thanks to Kyrie giving up on the team. I, I you know, I it, maybe Brad Stevens isn't blameless in all this. You know, maybe maybe Rozier is right in that Brad Stevens did have a, a difference in coaching, 
you know, stars versus players he didn't see that way. And if and if so, that's a real problem. You have to be able to coach. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to sit down and and everybody has to be able to follow directions the same way. So, you know, so who knows really what the reality is um, at this point. Uh, here's one reality. Uh, Paulie, D, <laughs> why didn't you bet the Warriors in game six? Um, because I'm a fool and... <laughs> And and now my son's not going to college. No, um, I, I don't know about you, JB. I saw Warriors plus seven. I was like, oh wait, Warriors. It's Warriors. It has to be Warriors. Yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those spreads where you're like, oh wait, Vegas made a mistake. Oh, easily. You know, they outsmarted themselves, or they want to because a Warriors plus seven would scare certain really savvy betters off the Warriors. They'd say, wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't follow them that closely. What's wrong with the Warriors? I. I saw that. I immediately go, okay. It's a pe- layup. The people in Vegas <laughs> obviously do not watch basketball, at least the right. same way I do. Or closely. Because giving them plus seven was just a big, big mistake. Because they're saying, oh, Kevin Durant goes down. Warriors are screwed. Right. No, they're not. They, they won 73 games without him. They won 73 games and lost the finals without him. But, well, fair enough. But it, they won 73 games. It's like the, the Vegas basketball Twitterati or whatever, whoever sets these damn lines. Right. It's like they forgot that Steph, Clay, <laughs> and Draymond Absurd spread. Yeah. All like oh like these guys never won never won a ring together before no, KD. No, sure. Bruh. Plus seven. no, stop. Yeah. Stop. And it's you I don't know look, I hope Vegas got cleaned out. I really do. Yeah, I mean I haven't seen anything from it. But on top of that, James Harden does not close games on his own usually. It's it's him you got P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon didn't show up, the shell of Chris Paul decided to make an appearance. Right, right. Uh, Eric Gordon didn't show up, though. And but to me... Who also, by the way, this year, I think had, had better stats than Terry Rozier did last year, the shell of Chris Paul. But that be that as it may. Yeah. Terry Rozier is one of the top point guards in the league, according to Terry Rozier. Yeah, and he was great at Louisville. I loved him then. Sure. But let's give him some minutes, see what he can do. Right. Uh, but get back to the Warriors for a hot second. <laughs> this all ensures Durant's leaving. Dur- Durant's leaving. Yeah, I, I think he's. Like, I think he's, he's got his rings. Yeah, he. Why would he stay? Well, let's see if he can go be the guy somewhere. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I, I they, everyone says, like, or, oh, or cash in. Stephen A. said on the Michael K. Show last Friday, "Oh, like I'm going to give 90 to 95 percent chance based on what I've heard. KD's going to the Knicks." To which I say, "I'll believe it when I see it." Right. I and agree. I, I like. I got all my hopes up with LeBron's decision the first time around. <laughs> I am not going down that path again. Same thing with the draft lottery tonight. Like everyone's saying, "Oh, Knicks number one, Knicks number one." I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, let's Just, see. Let's see. I expect print. nothing from the basketball guys. You know, I have to say, I and I think even if K, even if they did get the get the number one plus the two max picks or plus the two max contracts. Um, I I just I don't have any faith that the Knicks would manage it properly. I really don't. I mean, everything I've I've heard about with the Knicks, especially with if they get the number one pick, there's a couple of rumors that they're going to try and flip that Kevin Knox and probably another piece to the Pelicans for Davis. Right. Which I'm okay with it as long as he agrees to a max extension. Yeah. Um. But also, Michael K has said he said on his show today, mm-hmm. today being uh, being Tuesday, all of my intel says that is blatantly false. Apparently, the Knicks are really high on Zion Williamson. They want to make him a big piece of the team, to which I say, yeah, because when you have the number one pick, that's what you do. This isn't like the Cavaliers 
trading Andrew Wiggins to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Kevin Love when all when they know all they're missing to win a title is Kevin Love. Yeah. And then he, he's like barely a factor in, in clinching the ring as it is. Right, which is pretty crazy. I actually yeah. I actually expected him to be much better than he was. Yeah. Um the but um yeah, the only the only thing I'll say about uh, say about the Knicks right now is that is that you know I I would never blame them for drafting and keeping Zion Williams and trying to sell him in in New York, New York, the you know the biggest yeah I think arguably the biggest market in in the United States. And even if they pick they, a lot of people are uh, the, the only a lot of people are projecting Zion Williams to be a transcendent NBA NBA star. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know about that. I mean, I haven't seen. You know, the guy has one year of college under his belt. The so. kid can play, I, of, of course, and I don't think anyone's denying that. But you know, I mean, it, injuries happen, misfortune happens. You know, yeah, it takes a lot to make a. You know, it takes a lot to achieve some of the projections that are that are that are given that are bestowed upon this kid. So I'm just concerned about his height, honestly. Right, because he does have a mid range jump shot that we've seen. Okay, that's not really the game anymore. It's about threes and getting getting up inside, especially if you're a big man. Right. Um, I'm just concerned because yeah, I also don't know. I think he's what like six 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 seven he's something like six, that. Six eight, and I and I and I also don't know where he fits on on, on, the on, on the modern NBA on the in the modern NBA. I don't know. I don't know where he fits. Yeah, you play him at both forward spots. I'd say because he's kind of a post guy, but he has a yeah. but he has it seems to have a good mid range game. You know, and he he could yeah. he could probably develop something from long range. You know, because uh, uh, he he has a good three point shot. I mean, uh, if you, if you leave him open for a three, he can make it. I mean, if you leave him open, right? Yeah. But is but, he is he going to shoot? Is he going to shoot forty percent? Is he going to shoot thirty? Like you know, I mean, against he, NBA, he might, but the but the amount of uh, three point shots he'd be taking in a game would be so minuscule that three point percentage wouldn't really be a factor into his overall skill set. Right. What I'm what I'm saying is, you know, maybe he can, you know, maybe he can be. You know, a real scoring forward. Um, yeah, I mean, because I, I, I look at him and I see Paul Millsap, but better. Just you know, big body, big in the shoulders, isn't afraid to get his hands dirty in the paint. Yeah, I see him. I see him doing a lot of rumbling and bumbling under the basket, which in David Fisdale's system is perfect. Yeah, yeah. We'll but, see. I, I, but I would not. I would. Not, I would not hold it against any team for taking him and wanting to keep him. Let's go back to the Celtics real fast. Oi, would why? you trade for Anthony Davis right now? Yeah, let's say it's Jason Tatum and draft picks for Anthony Davis. Jason Tatum and draft picks for Anthony Davis. Yes, I would make that deal. I would. If too. if you can get a verbal agreement from Kyrie that that he's going to stick around, yeah, I would. I would. I would try it with those two. And even and even if he isn't, then you ha- you have yourself in a position to okay. Uh, draft the point guard in right. the first or second round, or sign right. or sign one off the scrap heap because right. you, you put Davis with. Jalen Brown or even Rozier like that yeah. he, he's still a transcendent talent right with that backcourt he he would do he would do yeah. okay and yeah. the Celtics would be and the Celtics would do okay right because because you said it yourself earlier the Celtics don't need Kyrie to go far no I I mean look I'm at this point assuming that Kyrie's assuming that Kyrie's gonna leave town I'm all for look. Just hand the keys to the kids and let's see what they could do they made the they made the Eastern Conference Finals albeit in a weak year but they made it anyway, you know, and they've shown that they could play together. Let's, you know, let's see what can happen under with another couple of years under Brad Stevens because Brad Stevens loves a scrappy underdog anyway. He really does. I mean, after leading Butler to, uh, to those two uh, NCAA t- uh, tournament games where uh, you lost some years off your life uh, when UConn almost fell. Oh, I know. I mean, look, it was the uh, – I think that was the ugliest final I've ever seen. 
The defense was crazy. It's, yeah, it was. It was, a, it was just a, a super duper ugly, ugly final. It was the final nobody expected, but the one that we knew we all needed. Oh my god! It was like fifty to forty something. Yeah, I can't. I can't even remember. All right, moving on. Another fifteen minute timer. Uh, now, if you'll excuse me, real fast, Paulie D. <laughs> the Red Sox are winning. Why won't they stop? Well, we're back. Um, you know, and it no, all, you're not. We're back. We're so back. And it all started on the 29th at home against Oakland. We've won 11 of 13. We're playing 840 ball in the last 13 games. Uh, the starters ERA is 3.01 over that time with a run run differential. Of, Josh, wait for it, and you might want to queue up that scream again. Plus 62. That's I'm sorry, say that again? Plus 62. <laughs> and you know what? They should be 12 of 13, ex- ex- except for a gut punch loss in Chicago when Brazier blew the save there. Uh, and then Brazier's been relegated, not to garbage time, but pretty close. You know, because he's had. Be- we're, we're down 10 4, <laughs> throw him out for two innings, hope for the best. See, it's looking, it's looking that way. You know, look, he went, to, he went to Baltimore and gave up a walk off to, uh, to Mancini, I think it was. Well, Trey Mancini at least can actually hit. Fair enough. Jackie Bradley had to go over the wall and bring it back. Brazier, th- if you watch the tape, Brazier, Brazier knew he'd given it up. Yeah, and was saying, he kind of throws his hands up. Is it getting ready to assume the position? Oh, he, you know, he did the whole crouch thing, waiting for it to go. You know, yeah. because you need because he was like, oh god, what am I gonna say to what am I gonna say to Alex Cora or whatever, whatever you know, guys goes through guys' heads. Meanwhile, JBJ is just like Falcon and Doctor Strange. <laughs> hey, no, sorry, n- another spoiler alert for those who haven't seen Avengers yet. Falcon and Doctor Strange making the save. Oh my god, <laughs> it, it was one of the most casual home run robberies I've ever seen. JBJ knew. If, I feel like he knew exactly where he was. In physical space, yeah. he knew when he had to leap, and he knew, and he and he was really tracking the ball the whole time. Yeah. I posted it twice on my Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> my Twitter yeah I know you did. Um, <laughs> it's all—it's almost like a bizarro version of uh, when Melky Cabrera robbed Manny. I think that was like 2006, 2007, something yeah. like that. And Casey Kelly is just sort of like watching gobsmack from the dugout. Yeah, I mean, there's there's only so much you can do when somebody steals the walk off from you. But I mean, just some things to watch at this point. The schedule is. What the schedule is, right, JB? I mean, the Sox are scoring a ton of runs and pitching well, and sometimes they're pitching great. But for the Sox, I, I think we got Houston Looms is for six games uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, and so that's going to be a good test. But right, I mean, you, you can't make, you can't change the schedule once the season begins. The, um, this is something about the schedule that I wanted to touch on because, you know, I don't really care about the schedule because even though Boston played eight of its last ten against non-playoff teams, right. Always love a hot streak. Sure. It's great to watch. Well, you still got to win the games and put the bat on the ball. Yeah, but, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think, and um, my friend Eddie and I had this conversation, uh, I think it was last year. No matter how good a team is on paper, every once in a while you need one game or a stretch of games that sort of, that sort of remind you during a rough stretch. Oh, yeah, we're a good team. Right. We're like, awesome. Yeah, like, like 2017, the Yankees were playing Baltimore, oddly enough. Uh, and we're down 7-2 in one game and came back and won, I think, 14-11 right. in, in extras. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury hit his first career grand slam in that game. Uh, Aaron Judge had two home runs. Matt Holliday had a walk-off blast. Yeah. And that was really the, the moment where the Yankees, who were kind of like playing up and down at the time, it was just, no, 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 like, we have a good squad here. Like, yeah. we, we can We can do this every night. Yeah. And I feel the Red Sox have, this recent hot streak has been that for them. Right. I feel like that they're, that they're back to the expectations that they had at the beginning of the year. 
Yeah, they've kind of worked through the really really tough stuff, and now they. I feel like the team feels like that they can go out on any night and beat anybody. Yeah, but you know, and the same thing happened to. But we got both got lucky last year, right? Red Sox fans and Yankee fans got really lucky last year because those moments for both teams happened really early in the season. Sox go what seventeen and two to open last season. Yeah, they knew they were a great squad in April. Yeah, you know, and the Yankees after maybe some early scuffling, I think hit us back with a 17 and 2 run. Uh right, it, something like that. It, it was along those lines. You're talking like from um this would have been late April late into April May. into May. Yeah, I know I know what you're talking right. about. Right, yeah. when when every Sox fan goes like they just won't lose. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz yeah, 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 that was our that was my me the ent- all of last year. Now you know how it feels. <laughs> so, but I mean, but that's but that's what it is and that really coalesced that that young Yankees team say, "Wait, right. whoa, 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 whoa. We've got something special here." And I, you know, and then we'll get to it. I still think the Yankees got something special. Right. But, uh, but just a, a couple other things to watch with the Sox. Uh, Chris, I think Chris Sale is back. He's got he has an ERA of two under two since late April, which is always good to see. That said, you have to you know the balky shoulder balky shoulders are what balky shoulders are, and so you have to hope he stays healthy. Yeah, um, the velocity being back is a good sign. Yeah, for sure. I mean the the slider is biting. Um, he's still got some problems with walks, but yeah. but I feel that's just it's like you said. Um, He's like he's cooking still. He's still like he's not done yet. He's not ready to come out of the oven. Right, right, right. Um, he's not in midseason. Yeah, form. he's definitely not in midseason form. But he's better than he was in early now, April. You know me. I hate the Red Sox with all my soul. Look, I, I get hate it. When, I hate when Chris Sale uh, beats up on us. I'm glad he's back because it's just, it's like I don't want to like make the Derek Jeter comparison, but like the Red, the Yankees weren't the Yankees without him when he was hurt. The Red Sox weren't the Red Sox without Sale at his right. best. Are you really beating the Patriots if Tom Brady's not a quarterback? You're really not. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's are you really it, it, are you really beating the Yankees if Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron yeah. Hicks, Miguel Andu and Miguel it, it, Andujar. It's a, it's a win on paper, but it, it doesn't really it doesn't really feel like it counts compared to the rest. You're not really beating the team that's that's supposed to be out there, you know. Yeah. So that's the good thing about Sale be, still being healthy. Um I still think he I still think he can get better. Although, you know, eight innings or one run ball against Baltimore last week, uh, there's not, not a whole lot I can I can complain about. Yeah, I mean, the 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 Orioles for all intents and purposes are a glorified Triple A team this year. Yeah, I don't I so I I'm going to disagree with you there. I don't think they're quite as bad this year as they were last year. Okay. Um, at least against the Red Sox, uh, their pitching has been very competitive. Um, I think maybe they've got a couple of good young guys in the lineup. So, you know, I I don't I don't think that they're, go- I think they're going to play 400 ball this year, or maybe 350 ball, but not 300 ball like they played last year. Um, having lost two or three of them to start the season uh, before <laughs> before sweeping them, um, I can definitely say there's there's a culture change happening in Baltimore. Right, it's going to be slow. Yeah, because you don't you don't have like you know the dour pouty face of Buck Showalter anymore. Yeah. You got Brandon Hyde, who was a who was the Cubs bench coach, uh, and any Joe Madden guy can drink with me any day. No, uh, Peter Angelos is out. His two boys are in. They're actually becoming an analytical, scientific team. Right. Um, they're taking advantage of the opener, which we'll need a whole episode, or else I'm gonna you're not gonna be able to get a word in because I'll be ranting and screaming <laughs> too much. Um, <laughs> I don't like it either. Yeah, uh, uh, Bleacher Creatures own James Kelly, another member of the uh, ESNY family. Check out Bleacher Creatures, folks. Th- those guys are great. Yeah. Um, he. Uh, 
he went on Twitter saying that was something at the opener, and I just said it's a, it's a blatant disregard of paying starters. Well, the raise like how has anyone not filed a grievance so far? Right. But but going back to Baltimore, like a culture change does a lot, even if you have a crap team on paper. Right. And I think that Brandon Hyde, especially, it's going to take him some time to get to get the team right because they still have to wait for some minor leaguers to come up. They got to get some good drafts in. They got to pick and choose if they're going to pick anybody up in free agency. I mean, that Cashner kid has shut down this Red Sox lineup. Shut it down. I mean, shut it down. Close the yeah. door. Thrown away the key twice now. They've got a they've got a little talent on and, that and team. And even Dylan Bundy can't be ruled out from from being like maybe like a number two guy. They got a they, they got a they got a guy John Means. He shut us down. And John it, Means has a filthy change. Yeah, uh, he shut us down. Yeah. you know for uh, to the you know in a four to one loss, and that's that was only that was the second loss, the only loss I think out of the last thirteen games we actually deserved because you shut us down. Yeah. They played it. They played the Red Sox tough. A guy we'll get on later, uh, Giancarlo Stan. Giancarlo Stan strained his bicep chasing one, chasing a changeup from a uh, John Means. That'll do it. So, but how about the rest of the Red Sox? How, how's everyone else looking? You know, I think the closer is going to be truly by committee. I, that, I, that that's a problem. I, that, that's going to come back to bite you later on. I'll I, tell you that right now. I get it, but I don't think they're going to sign Kimbrell or anybody. I think if they're going to, if they if they need bullpen help, they're going to go back down to the minors. I mean, we saw the two of the young kids up earlier, Lakins and Hernandez. I don't think Hernandez is done yet, but Lakins is. A little bit more major league ready. They got yeah. two, they got two young kids from AAA uh, up at the up at the majors now. Weber and uh, and Josh Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, neither neither seem you know like they're going to blow the doors off, but it's a little bullpen help. But you know, look, they, they, Brazier blows the save in, in Chicago, then almost gives up the game winner in Baltimore. Uh, Barnes since then Barnes got a save. Hembry's got a save. Uh, Marcus Walden, don't sleep on him. He's pitching well for the yeah. for the bullpen. Uh, Thornburg is a disaster. Brewers hit and miss. I mean, <laughs> it's it's going to be really interesting to see yeah. what the what Cora does moving forward. They're supposed to get Brian Johnson back, so he should add a little extra length to that bullpen, which is quite frankly what they've been using Marcus Walden as is is a is a guy who can you know when when they have to when because the Red Sox have been using an opener as their fifth starters in Hector yeah. Velasquez. Right. Although I think they're trying to stretch him out a little bit, uh, yeah. but Marcus Walden has been the long man in those games but you know once brian johnson gets back it'll be interesting how they use him but yeah it's up to cora and i don't think they're i don't think i don't think any help is forthcoming except from within except what's already within the organization and that's i mean that's pretty much it um and the the last thing is they need to get back to full strength and starting pitching you know it's true that sale looks like he's back erod has been you know way more consistent and porcello has shown some flashes of greatness but you know price is in the on the injured list and sozi evaldi and and they need them back and they need them to pitch well you they know? really do because because they can't keep up what they've been doing with three starters they just can't do it yeah i mean i mean the rays the rays did it they, they might still be doing it but in the hard-hitting al east it's the meat grinder we've talked about this several times right like you need to have a fully functioning starting staff you can't just put out an opener and spin the wheel hope for the best so those guys that are now doing the spot starts you know the josh smiths um, uh and the webbers of the world and uh, hector velasquez those guys are going to be needed for spot starts down the stretch to spell the five starters we have because we're in a meat grinder and that's pretty much it um another thing uh, another thing that i that i would highlight is michael chavis michael chavis has looked great the ice horse yeah like i've, I've been <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't been watching a lot of red sox uh, baseball lately but more, partly because i don't have nesson right because i live in new york city and why would i ever want to have nesson 
<laughs> no offense. No, I mean, I mean, fair yeah. enough. I get it. I mean, I get the games on the MLB package. There you go. I do. I do do the. I do do the Nesson feed though. Well, yeah, because you want your you want you to hear uh, Jerry Remy and whoever replaced Don Orsillo. Right, and um, Dennis Eckersley. Yeah, he's a, he's always a lot of fun. Although his 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 baseball lingo is is like going bridge. Have you ever heard that? No. Going bridge for home for a home run. Have you ever heard? I've that? heard going yard for a home going run. Going yard, but he says going bridge. What the, like the Tobin Bridge, right? Or? The Charleston Charlestown Bridge, like or the bridge over the River Charles? Like I, I don't, I don't know. Has the mustache creeped up into his brain? I or? have, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea where Going Bridge comes from. So if anyone is listening to this and can hit me up on Twitter and let me know where Going Bridge comes from, because I haven't been able to find it. Uh, but yeah, Chavis is playing currently holding down second base. They call him the Ice Horse. Yeah, that uh, nickname comes from the Section Ten podcast because Chavis is cool like ice. And he's something, you know, you want to make a wish on. So in 19th century Britain, people used to make wishes on white horses. Right. So ice horse, right? Uh, he's at a great pace. He's He's got 19 RBI in 20 games with six homers, you know. So I can't, uh, I can't, I can't poo-poo that. Although it doesn't seem to me that he always has great control of the strike zone. And the, the degree to which he gets fooled with the slider is a little disconcerting. Um... And the other thing I'll say is that he's currently sitting in Pedroia's spot, and Pedroia's had yet another setback in the minors to yeah. try to come back from that knee injury. Speak, speaking of Pedroia, this is from Alex Spire of, right. of the Globe. Uh, Pedroia, there will be a time when I'm out there all the time. He says he's made progressive improvement, but focuses on getting a, getting to a point where he can play regularly rather than a few days at a time. Right, and and you know, but I have to tell you. JB I, and I'm a I'm a huge Pedroia fan. Yeah. I, you know, I loved his rookie year and and watching him all these years. Um you know, as but as the weeks go by and as you know, as the days tick by and then the days turn into weeks since, you know, I got a sneaking suspicion the weeks might turn into months and we're still waiting on Dustin Pedroia. I I I hope he gets back, but if he doesn't, you know, I hope he I hope he's able to bow, you know, I hope I hope he's able to bow out gracefully yeah. in favor of in favor of a couple guys who can maybe help the team win a little bit more. Right, because the guy is a is a Boston Red Sox player. He, yeah. He's hardworking, tough, blue collar. Um I think that at some point he has to accept that his new normal is that he's only going to play a few days a week. Right. Be it like maybe maybe three in the field, one at DH, or, or two and two. Right. Uh, and if he's okay with that, great. If not, walk away. You've, well, had, a, you've had a great career. Or, I mean, bench bench, bench coach or, or some sort of coach within the Red Sox. I think Pedroia needs to be around this team. Yeah, he, he's... He's going to be part of the Red Sox family forever, but like even in retirement, he's not going anywhere. Right. I, I, uh, unless his relationship with Dombrowski and John Henry and all of ownership goes incredibly south, yeah, which, I, would, and, which would be crazy. Which, yeah, and and as a result, like that's it's not even going to happen. But I think Chavis is in the lineup until he stops hitting. Yeah. At, the, at the very least, you know, 19 RBI in 20 games, hard to argue with that. Yeah, I also just got a Twitter notification uh, from a few minutes ago. Sale struck out the first six batters he faced. That's that is uh, good news, but not surprising. Absolutely. Uh, and the last thing, the only the only thing I'll say is that you know during the hot streak, we've seen the emergence, and I think it's his breakout year of uh, Rafael Devers. Wow. Okay. Devers is batting three thirty six. His F, his exit velocity is through the roof. It's the top ten top ten percent of the league, and that's impressive because he's not a very big guy. No, he's not. And, yeah. But he's he's ham. 
JB, if you watch him, this kid is hammering pitches, just hammering them. He's got great strike strike zone control. Was uh, walks to K's is 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 seven fifty is three to one, and his hard hit percentage. Get this, over fifty percent. That's ridiculous. It's, it's great. He's hammering pitches. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch. Uh, and how's his third base defense? Uh, better that better once the streak started. Okay. Um, I think at when he, I think he was at eight, sitting at eight errors after the Tampa Bay series, after the two game set and the two game set at Fenway when Tampa Bay came in, which was atrocious. Yeah, he was playing an atrocious third base for much of April, but he's gotten a lot better. It yeah. seems it seems, feels it feels like he's gotten a lot better, and I know there's more advanced metrics to measure third base defense rather than errors, but a, a, I but I do still believe that errors are a good pretty good shorthand to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, and who can field who can field the position and who can't. For sure. Well, you may be right. Well, I'm hoping I'm right, but <laughs> you may be crazy for even letting me talk that long. <laughs> well, we got a uh, we got ten minutes left on uh uh for the room. Let's talk the Yankees, Paul E D. Uh, you said uh, you thought we had something special brewing in the Bronx, and when you said it, I went, eh, everyone's hurt, everyone's hurt, but now I'm inclined to agree. H- had had Marty McFly himself, along with Doc Brown, <laughs> come to me, like appeared outside my apartment building in the DeLorean, and said, hey, we uh, had this been, uh, they come to me last year, and said, hey, we've seen the Yankees in the future, you're going to... You're going to read who's on the injured list. and They could have read read me on this date, May 14th, who's on the injured list and what the Yankees' record was going to be and where they were in the standings. I'd have laughed hard in their face. I'd have said, Doc, lay off the plutonium. The fumes of the DeLorean are getting to you. Stop touching the flux capacitor. It's going to electrocute you. Right. Marty, get off the damn hoverboard. Right. And it's weird, Doc, yeah. that you have a flux capacitor anyways. That seems to be an unregistered nuclear device. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But the uh, I agree. I would never. If you read me, if you read me the Yankees injured list, yeah, and I didn't know their record, and you asked me to guess their record, I'd say, oh wow, they're probably in fourth place. Maybe, maybe last. Maybe Baltimore's having a good year. Maybe they're in last. Yeah, or uh, maybe a distant well, no, third. No, I, I wouldn't have thought that that a team north of five hundred wasn't wasn't last place. But but look, maybe maybe a distant third. You know, it, yeah. I, I don't I don't put this team near the top of the division. That's for darn sure. Um, and it's just pretty inspiring to see. It's all next man up stuff. They're just finding ways to win. They're doing it, and they're doing it against above 500 teams. So stop the hate. You can definitely say because I can't remember if, if on our, our last show we discussed this. Um, what Aaron Boone said at his um, at his end of year press conference last year. He said um, one thing I need to work on is communicating with my coaches. Yeah. Because if you read this book, Inside the Empire, by Bob Klavish and Paul Salatarov, uh, excellent book by the way. Um, it's it said how he pretty much gave Marcus Timms and Larry Rothschild, those are the hitting and pitching coaches, pretty much autonomy over their respective areas. But now uh, you have a lineup that, that, when healthy, is built for power, but now you have a lot of contacting, a lot of small balls. So you got to wonder if Boone is saying to Timms, you know what, coach this a little more, coach right. hitting the other way. Coach, like making good contact, but like don't try to murder the ball. Try to just get on base. Work in the count. Work, let's, yes. Let's exhaust the starting pitcher. Get back to basics. Get the starter out. Get into the middle relief. You know, and then 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 you try to make their make your hay. Um, I mean, is if this team can hold the line, and by hold the line, I mean stay relatively above 500 until your starters come back. Well, several, <laughs> several of our next games are versus sub-500 teams. because right. um, We got rained out two nights in a row because it's terrible here in New York City. Uh, That's we, gross. Yeah, we got it. But thankfully tomorrow it's supposed to be in the 70s and sunny. We've got a uh, doubleheader against uh, the Orioles. 
uh, tomorrow. Then we uh, we got a day off. Rays come to town for for a weekend. Then we go to Baltimore for four, followed by a weekend in Kansas City. I, I mean, so, so those yeah. are all very winnable games, especially after we just took two of three from the Rays in Tampa Bay. With the Rays coming in with your schedule and with the Sox schedule, and as long as the Sox are able to basically split with Houston, I see both the Red Sox and the Yankees leapfrogging Tampa Bay in the division over the next two weeks. Oh, yeah, because we, ha- we have each other at the um, at the end of the month. Right. Yeah. Right. And then it's going to be a division, you know, battle for the division lead, hopefully. But I see I see both of our – I see both both the Red Sox and the Yankees leapfrogging Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay is a uh, – Yeah. Let's call them a champion of a diminishing skill at, well, at this point. Uh, I want to make one note on Tampa Bay because t- everyone's saying, oh, the openers, Tampa Bay, is they're so analytically forward, analytics uh. are helping them. Colin Coward made a great point, I believe it was yesterday on his show, Um analytics don't guarantee a championship and no. analytics just provide you a strategy and a baseline for what for what kind of team you have to build to have a shot at making the playoffs right. once you get once you get into the playoffs Analytics kind of go out the window. It's all about who's the better team, and they well, and or who steps up. I could see analytics working into in the even in the playoffs in in terms of matchups. But yeah, you're you know you've got to beat a team, and you've got to take best of five or best of seven, and that's it. And so there's 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 got to be more emphasis on what's happening in front of you because if your analytics are dictating something that's not getting you the result that you need in the short term, you have to make a change. You have to. I mean, the Houston Rockets in basketball are a perfect example of this because they rode their analytics all the way to getting eliminated in game six. Sure. And there you go. Yeah, it didn't help them. If Cora didn't if Cora didn't do the smart thing last year, which is probably not as analytically sound which is to say, all right. Um, well, I need to. I need my starters as a bridge to the to the ninth inning to Craig Kimbrell. Uh, we're going to lose this thing if he didn't do that. If he didn't start enlisting the entire starting rotation into yeah. the bullpen last mm-hmm. postseason, yep. we lose, and we lose quick, and we probably lose, and we and the Yankees probably beat us. You know, it's probably true. I mean, if we so, I I think to a certain degree that Colin Cowherd's right. Although I do think it can dictate. Like I said, I think it can dictate matchups. But yeah, Tampa Bay, Glasnow's down now for how long? I mean, he's got a strained forearm or something. Um, Glasnow's down for what four weeks, six uh, weeks, four to six weeks with a forearm strain. Yeah, you know that's a huge blow to them. He was yeah. he's been great. Uh, that that was an injury where even though I was happy the Yankees beat him, I was sad for Glasnow because yeah. I mean I have such a good year. The Pirates are my NL team, and I tracked him in the minors, and I kept and even though he was on the Rays, I threw it against him. I was kind of hoping he would do well, and he was. Yeah. Uh, anyways, but speaking of injuries, uh, the Yankees, uh, surely but slowly, slowly but surely, we're coming back. Right. Uh, all except for Andujar. Yeah, well, who we'll get to in a second. Right. Um, Aaron Hicks is back. I think I think he's going to be a huge presence just because he's so athletic. Switch hitting really, really um, adds some variety to the lineup. Because like the, Yan- the Yankees lineup, I said in, in an article I wrote about Hicks um, on Monday, uh, it's so right-handed dominant you'd think they're protesting Ned Flanders. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, but he's back. Um, and in terms of Giancarlo Stanton, uh, you'll you'll forgive me because one more time. Yeah, he's frustrating. He's frustrating, and here's why. Uh, I'm going to play a clip right now. That is, uh, this is from May sixth, uh, so last week, and uh, and he is discussing his his recovery from the bicep strain. Um, 
already answered this, but what's the timetable you have in mind at this point? I don't know. I don't know. I'll start swinging again and go from there. So my issue with that clip, Paulie D, is that that's from May 6th. Today is the 14th, and it took us this long. We didn't know until today that on top of the strained bicep, the reason that Stan got the cortisone shot in his shoulder, he's battling a shoulder strain. Yeah. Why can't they just simply say he has a shoulder strain? I mean, I think there's um, – I the only thing the only thing that makes sense to me is that um, – the player or the team wanted to keep it under wraps because it, they maybe thought it was something that he could play through. Maybe, you know, if the if the major problem, which still seems to me to be the bicep strain, resolved itself, um, that maybe he could, you know, he just gets a shot in his shoulder and yeah, he goes out, and, you know, they DH him and he goes out and plays. Yeah, you know, so that that's that's the only thing that makes sense to me. But I'm I'm. I'm right there with you. I mean, it's it's like he's talking about his injuries, uh, like like the Red Sox used to talk about oblique strains in the '90s. You know, it's like um, oh, it should just be a week. Uh, then week turns into two weeks, and, and then two weeks turns into a month. Yeah, a month turns into two months, and by the by the time you're at a month, you realize the guy's an oblique strain, and those just take forever to come back from, and yada yada yeah. yada. Yeah, I mean, so, Ju- Judge has one right now, and he's and he's he's feeling better overall, but there's like ju- there's still just enough discomfort that he, that he doesn't like he doesn't feel ready to do baseball activities yet. It's like nagging, yeah. you know, and that's I, I feel like that's that's where Giancarlo stands at. It's it's there's something nagging at him, and and he. He just can't get right, and so the only thing that the only thing that'll help him is time. But the Yankees, I do think, still have time. Yeah, I think that I you know think who this... doesn't. You know, sorry to interrupt. You know who doesn't have time is Miguel Andujar. No, he does not. Yeah, because he's back on the IL with the small tear in his labrum in his right shoulder. Is the ten day a procedural thing that they're doing in this situation? Yeah, because Aaron Boone came out today um, after the game was postponed and pretty much said, and this is from Brian Hoke on Twitter. Uh, he said Andujar is going to decide in about 24 hours if he's going to keep rehabbing it or get the surgery. I say get the surgery. Just do it. Get the surgery. Gio Urshela is dynamite. He's hitting. He's hitting 341. He's got that clutch gene that Didi Gregorius kind of has. Yeah. He's clearly having so much fun being a Yankee. Yeah. And you know what? If Andujar opts for rehab and then comes back in full strength, he's a trade chip. That's for it. Urshela. That's that's it. all it is. Absolutely. You think it's an outlier. I uh, I think Gio Urshela is I think his recent performance with the bat is an outlier. The reason why I think is this is that he's never been known as some guy as a guy who swings a decent bat. He's never been known that way. And for him to just kind of suddenly spring, maybe he's figured it all out. Maybe he's put it together. And maybe he has a great three months or just a great year. Everyone's capable of a great year. They're all major leaguers. Yeah. But you know, um, but for me, I think I think Urshela fades. Over time, and I think, but I think you have a safety net for that, even if Rochelle fades, and that's DJ LeMahieu, who's a bad, oh, bad, I love DJ LeMahieu, bad, bad man. He's a bad man. 
Gotta love this guy. Oh, my God. I wish we got him. He's like Brock Holt if Brock Holt were a batting champion. Are you jealous? I am very jealous of DJ LeMahieu. Oh, yeah. DJ a ball- Le- he's a baller. He's a gamer. Yeah. And I hate, to, I hate to toss around that word, but he is a gamer, man. He's an all, all-around competent baseball guy who does all the little things. He's batting over 300. Yep. His uh, weighted on base average of 359. And all against two errors, so he plays great in the field. Yeah. He's got a great bat, and, at the... and those two errors were complete flukes. Oh too. my goodness, DJ LeMay. So D- he's he's kind of your safety vet because Didi Gregorius is coming back this year, yeah, right? Yeah, they're saying July. They're, they're saying he could be back as soon as June. Well, I mean, well then there you go. Yeah, right. So that's your insurance policy if Rochelle kind of fades down the stretch. Like right. I, I, I strongly believe that Rochelle is going to fade. But you know, while he's having his day, let him have his day. He's having a blast. Yeah, I mean, because it all it all came up from the fact, because uh, the Yankees aren't surprised by this at all. Apparently, at one point in spring training, Boone was watching Urshela and then went to, because he was like a non-roster invitee. Right. He was just kind of there. Just totally unheralded. Boone then says to Cashman, the offense might be real. <laughs> and so and so then Cash is like, okay, let's keep watching. And sure enough, here he is. He's out of minor league options, so I don't know what's going to happen down the road. Right. But in the meantime. Just I, keep playing. It's yeah. like Chavis. Just keep in the lineup till he stops hitting. Yeah. That's exactly it. And that's it. And that's all you can do. Yeah, last thing on DJ LeMahieu, reason I love this guy so much. He this guy is six foot four, is yeah. built like like a tree. Yeah. Looks like a corner infielder. And he's like, nope, no power. Gonna hit it to right field. Yeah. Contact. That's it. We're just gonna yeah. Oh, that's the last time. Oh man. I know that we were happy on such a have a great thing going on too. Uh but no, that's all of it all for today from a you may be right uh on the podcast. The good news is right now we have a Twitter page. We have a Twitter page, Paul that's, D. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I have to change the handle because uh, I believe it is just called, it's just um, at uh, Right Podcast. Michael Chavis just hit a solo homer in the bottom of the second. The Red Sox now lead the Rockies one to nothing. Oh, dear. <laughs> the ice horse. I do not like that. Dinga number seven. All right. I cannot, I cannot, Twitter's not at, not behaving right now, so I will get the Twitter <laughs> handle out later. I will tweet it out with this new episode tomorrow. That's awesome. Uh, special thanks to uh, QED in Astoria. We always have a lot of fun uh, recording here. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JB'sWorld3286. Uh, Pauly D, are you still uh, at Pauly D Sports? I am. Yeah, you can read some more of his great Red Sox stuff at uh, anothersoxblog.com. Did a- I get that right? Absolutely. Right? Um, and on top of that, um, you can find us on iTunes. Be sure to search for You May Be Right Podcast. You have to add podcast at the end or else you will not find us. Um, also, uh, Paul A.D., remember what they say. What's that, JP? You may be right. You may be wrong, but for all I know, you may be right. Well, there we go. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Enjoy. Enjoy.